Legends Podcast. I am your host, Jim Class Hero. Joining me today is um, Matt Abilvian and some French guy I found on the streets. His name is Romanesque, I guess. Played card games here and there. So today, I guess we can start off. Let's start off with a nice, easy topic. We're gonna easy talk topics this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but how are you guys doing, though, by the way? You been good? Life treating you good? Yeah. Like, the things have been just going along. Just just trucking along. Just At least there's, there's actually a lot less Ram Scouts, so for, for, at least I didn't see any, so I'm happy. I saw, like, very little, but when I see them, I remember them, you know? Like, that's, that seems to be a thing. Like, I play them very little. I know I do. But I remember playing them. What's your experience... In your life, Romanesque. Well, today's a great day. I'm feeling grumpier than <laughs> usual, which is really awesome. Besides that, I'm looking... I haven't found some... Like, the person I went to Target today with all the hate they accumulated from years of frustration. So, hopefully I, I find something today and it might be you, Jim Blast, if you're lucky. Oh, sweet. I get to be, like, the like object of the hatred. Sick. Alright. So I guess we can talk about ladder really briefly, actually. Yeah, I've seen a resurgence of control mage out of nowhere, which... What do you mean out of nowhere? I've been playing mage on stream for, like, the whole month. No one cares. <laughs> I don't watch your stream, right? <laughs> I can't nowhere. seem to find any control decks anywhere, but that's just me. Yeah, well... <laughs> Is it a timing thing? Because, like, you're in the yeah, morning... Yeah, I think so. Control mages come out at night to where it's safe, maybe. <laughs> Alright, so, um, yeah, I've been seeing a good amount of control mage, which is nice. Alter Monk does pretty good against them, but of course, Scout just in time to ruin my life. Uh, but I haven't seen too many token decks. What well, else is today, I guess? I haven't streamed in the last few days because of, uh, because of everything crap in the bed on the internet. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I guess we will now move on <laughs> to the patch notes. Nice friendly topic before you get into the gritty thing. So let me share my screen with chat. Magic. Alright, so first change I guess we see is Soul Tear from 2 to 3 mana. I hate this change because I feel it doesn't do enough to address the issues that we are encountering. Um, hmm. I think I think Soul Tear 3 mana, it's strong. It's definitely like definitely puts a halt onto it. But I wouldn't mind if it stayed two mana and had a banished effect. But Romanesque, you, you're super eager to talk, so please give your opinion. Uh, so here, I, I feel like people are not going to react well to this, but I think that people are tunnel visioning and a lot of changes. And I think that people who say that Scout was buffed by this patch are straight up delusional. Simply because the cards that were nerfed that were not... Like that, that, that were the, the basically people are saying they, they nerf cards that were good against Scout and they barely nerf Scout, and this is wrong in two different ways, which don't catch it out to make it right. Um, the first way it's wrong is that the Soul Tear nerf is a big deal because people double vision on the excess that Scout has to ramp and their ability to build up this mana to like 25 mana. I exaggerate slightly, but obviously, when you have 20 mana, two or three does not matter. 
But the issue is that Scout is already weak to faster decks than them. Scout is weak at beating decks that can be proactive. Scout loses tempo matchups. So the way that Scout actually survives uh, tempo matchups is that they find ramp on three, ramp on five, and then they find some defensive tool with like sheer point or some lookout and some skeletal dragon. The issue is that they don't usually have multiple of those tools in their hand because they play on, uh, how would I put this? Scout doesn't have that many good plays between mana six and mana 10. And the issue is that Solitaire plus Skeletal Dragon, Solitaire plus Shearpoint were great plays for those mana slots. And those are gone now. Like, the one extra mana means that, like, your whole post six curve moves one mana back. So I think that this change is very significant. And you feel it a lot in the non scout purple decks because they got hurt a lot by this. But even in scout, you will feel it significantly. The second reason the statement that Scout got, got buffed is wrong is because people say that the decks that beat Scout got nerfed, but the cards that were nerfed were the cards that were irrelevant against Scout. Scout loses to the 1, 2, 3, 4 mana curves. It loses because it has no answer, because it's not, it's not a control deck, it doesn't control anything. So the fact that you nerf the other cards that we'll go over later, those cards were just win more cards against Scout, because... If you're still curving when you play them, you won anyway. And if you aren't curving when you play them, it doesn't win you the game. And this is why the Solter nerf, I think, is a significant nerf. And while I think Scott is still good, it is not true to say it was buffed. All right, fine point there. All right, so uh, Matt Oblivion, while this coffee <coughs> actually activate on me, please give your opinions. Oh. I actually largely agree with Roman on this one. Like, even before when Solterre was uh, two mana, they, even then, using Solterre to get their defenses back up was not enough for them to survive versus aggro or a very low curve mid range. They they just straight up died already, and like Solterre is just completely irrelevant defensively now, and that is definitely a big deal because defense was their biggest problem. So, like, you, you, like, uh, we'll, we'll come to this one later as well. Like, the Imprison nerf, I don't think Imprison actually particularly hits tokens versus uh, Scout either because they already have just so many things for them to actually just get rid of those guards, and then two mana is not even all that much. Like, they can still send in more dudes at the same time. So, like, yes, Ram Scout just got nerfed versus aggro and stuff didn't really hit them in the late game but in the late game, like, if they can't win there, then when are they supposed to win? An excellent point there. <clears throat> so, yeah, and let's head up, folks. Find out why the echo is. I have to mute my own mic. I guess it was picking up on their sounds, so when I mute my mic, you won't hear that, but I agree. I think... <clears throat> I just don't like Scout because of these control decks, but <laughs> that's the way it should be intended, to be honest. So it shouldn't be too salty, but I think, yeah, I don't think it's that horrid. Yeah, like, the only thing I'm mildly sad about is, like, having Solitaire outside of a ramp Scout deck. Like, if you have it in a deck that doesn't ramp at all, it, like, those decks are really hurt. 
And like, especially like I was having some fun, like, uh, like earlier in the month, I got into the, into legends with a deck that was actually actively winning with y'all ball groove. Like every third or second win were, were, was a, was a actual wall plant down. And in that deck, there's also chanters and the, like the only two mana action I have is Solterre, and I could look for Bruma Profiteers in order to try to heal with, and then I can't do it. So I'm kind of sad. Feels bad, man. <laughs> but I feel you. Solterre just hit all the purple decks, which I think yeah. is a good thing. <clears throat> and then the Endurance. But I guess moving on to the most interesting nerf I found. Um, the Supreme Atro Mancer. Now, I think Jesus, like, well, I don't think she needed to be nerfed. I hate this card. I always complain about it, but I think she did her job fine. She was supposed to punish the late game decks. I think she should. I think she did her job well. And they nerfed her at a time where Scout was on the rise, was a little more popular than normal, as well as token decks. So she's been like cut from this, right? When the mid range blue curve meta was there around, which gave rise to the token meta to kind of counteract because they did well against the mid range decks and Scouts. Why was she nerfed now of all times? I don't know. I just found that very interesting. So I'm going to throw the pass to Matt this time. Uh, well, like, she's always been a large part of the controversy, and she was always, like, the top end of the mid-range blue decks, and sometimes also there in, a, in, in like, blue control to try to beat out some, some, some control mirror type of stuff, or trying to have, like, the extra pressure versus... Uh, uh, like Ram Scout, sometimes I saw I saw control mages do that. Like, see if they can actually find like two back to back and just kill them before they actually got like ridiculous. But like nowadays, it's more actually just getting them, uh, getting rid of all their cards and then just actually being control mage versus them. Just it's not always all that successful. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of sad. I don't really play a whole lot of Supreme Aftermaster myself. Most of the time, it ended up being a 9-mana Lightning Bolt, because I was already dead to the 4 damage that she dealt. <laughs> but yeah, like I, can, I personally don't think it hurts uh, the Merrick combo battle mage all that much, because how many Merrick battle mages were always literally like banking all in on winning on turn 9? So, like, it's still playable, but more in a combo shell. And, like, if you want to use it as your end game for, for your mid-range, we'll have to see, like, if that is really the most effective card still. So, yeah, like, 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 using Bone Daddy instead of Sorcerer. Oh, yeah, I think Sorcerer could actually... I think it's kind of cool, though, because that does open more cards for, like, Bone Daddy. I think that card is underplayed and it's really good. I mean, so maybe Sorcerer can maybe get some kind of spot and Inez can come back, Kappa. But Romanesque, your <laughs> thoughts on the Atro nerf? Okay, um, so I have two points to make. Uh, one, uh, again, what about Atro Mencer and what about Scout again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about Scout a lot today. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, so as for Atro Mencer, uh, first, uh, I think that you... I think that one point that people... Uh, lose perspective of in the context of the nerf of Atromancer is that take for example for example Hive Defender. Hive Defender is a card that's played that is that's played in literally every single yellow deck. Like literally 
And the nice thing about Hive Defender is that it plays multiple roles in different decks. You can use it to control field lane, like a guy with ward, except with a bunch of HP. You can use it to protect your threats. You can use it to defend yourself. Uh, you can use him to uh, basically be a really resilient uh, threat if you want to eventually buff him or something. Like You can use Hive Defender in multiple ways. Similarly, you can use Atramancer in multiple ways. You can use it as a, as a combo tool, as a two-turn lethal setup tool in a control deck, or as a top-end for a mid-range deck. Now, there is an issue with this. The idea of a color system is that you should be playing cards for different reasons and different colors and different shells, right? And that's why we have color system, because you pick what you need from the colors and then the color combos have different identities, even though they have similar cards. And the issue is that Atro was used in decks that should be very different, like Sorcerer, Assassin, Midmage. They were they sh those decks should be very different, but Atro was used the exact same way. Those decks were exact blue curve decks with Warcrafter, Daggerfall, and then you have some four drop, and then you you curve out at Encano Atro. All of them. So those decks that have all the tools to be different, that should play differently, are exactly like forced to go to this blue shell because Atromancer is so good at being a top end for a mid-range deck that it completely warps the deck building step of making a mid-range deck. Like if you make a mid-range deck with no Atro, your mid-range deck is just bad. And th I think that this happened for five months and that was enough. Like, at some point, if you want mid-range to be an archetype that has rich deck building and varied gameplay, which is tough for mid-range, because mid-range mid -range you curve out, right? So it's already tough to have unique playstyles in different mid-range decks. You have to eventually remove Atromancer from mid-range. This has to happen at some point if you want to extend deck building space for mid-range decks in an optimal shell. and. That nerf, I'm not sure it was the best way to do that. I would have liked to keep it at 9 mana and nerf the Ashronach stats to make it less of a good mid-range tool and more of a good combo tool. Uh, but I'm happy that the blue mid-range decks now have to find a different top end. Now, Sorcerer can go towards Bone Colossus. Assassin is kind of wrecked and forced to go anti-aggro. And Mid-Mage is going to have to go more aggro. And I, I'm excited to see how those archetypes react and redevelop because those decks are all still good. They just have to be creative and be different and be themselves instead of just curving out. And quickly about, about the second point, I think Catra was never good against Cat, except specifically in Merrick as a combo tool because I, uh, the blue decks, they all curved at six and then had like Oli and Kano to bridge to Atro. So what happened the most often was that he would curve out uh, beat down the scout, and then uh, either you won already and Atro is just the lightning bolt, or well, you just completely missed turn 8 and Atro does nothing for you. Uh, Turquoise Link has been making the point on stream for a long time that against scout very often in a mid-range deck, Atro is just worse than a mud crab. You'd rather, a one drop would deal more damage. And I think you put our tunnel visioning on Atro because they play, they play control decks, they play decks with no win conditions for the same reason they reached about uh, Praetorian Commander and Echo of Akatosh that lose to, which the, the slow decks lose to. Well, they lose to Atromancer and then they, they feel bad about it and then they tell a vision on that card that beats Scout, even though it, it really doesn't.
and that nerf will is not a buff to scout. And even though it's a nerf to the mid-range blue decks and to Merrick, I'm excited to see how the blue mid-range deck will react to this and adapt, because they can. They have the tools for it. Super points, super points. Yeah, that's very interesting you said that. They had to like, find their own identities. They can't really play the same with slight differences. I agree with that. I really like that concept. Um, hmm. Very interesting point, though, with the uh, Atromancer. So I guess and they man, let's see. They did say they actually have said metagame diversity should improve, right? They want the decks to be diverse. So makes sense to me. Guess we we'll go on to the next card, Shield Breaker, which I never saw anyone complain about, honestly. I think Shield Breaker was a cool card because it gave aggro something to do. I think aggro. I think before Heroes of Skyrim, aggro was always kind of in a weird place. You played mid range or control. Uh, aggro was just kind of weird. And then this expansion gave them tokens and tools. And it, things like Shieldbreaker were kind of cool. So seeing Shieldbreaker nerfed, I don't have any feelings on it. It's one of those like, well, I guess it was nerfed. Okay. I didn't really play decks that played it and against it. It wasn't. It didn't feel like the worst card to play. It was something to think. Of, it was always something to keep in mind. But it didn't really bug me. So now I'll shoot this to Roman. Your um, thoughts? Yeah, um, I think that Shieldbreaker is a good idea. Uh, I think that there was two problems with this card. Is that in general in card game, especially in a game like Elder Scrolls Legend, in which drawing cards is an effect that has to remain rare to keep the rune system significant. Um card efficiency has to be monitored and kept in check. And the issue is that Shieldbreaker was extremely card efficient because it, it, uh, it had two cards inside it. It had the Scimitar and it had the Intimidate. And it had those two cards for the sum of their mana cost, which is extreme card efficiency and extreme tempo in the right color for it. And my issue with that is that even though the card in itself was not insanely oppressive, I think that it would it, it could have limited design space eventually on the long term. And on the short term, it should be intended as a removal card, right? It, it's a card like it should be more like spinner than like just a curve card. A card like spinner should not be played because it's good on curve. Like you play turn one raider, turn two shieldbreaker for no for no guard, and you're happy about it, right? And honestly, uh, this card, if it if a card is good enough to be played on curve and excellent as a top deck late game for two mana, I don't I, I think this is a bit too strong simply because like for the same reason that you, you warbat was too good because it was it was supposed to be a prophecy card that you were happy to play on curve and. Shortly, and in short, I think at three mana it's unplayable in aggro, and I think that it's still playable maybe in a deck that relies in one turn kills or like charge style decks, and that will appear eventually. So I don't think the card is dead. I just think it was a bit too good, and for no reason in aggro red. That's all. All right, that's a fair point. I can see what you're saying. It was just too efficient, and it really was pretty damn efficient. I guess maybe yeah, take care of taking care of. And Matt, your thoughts on this? Yeah, like Shieldbreaker was probably like one of the major cards that was behind like uh, Time to Fight Battle Mage. I think 
like uh aside from the two mana one one charge dude and they were just like okay we're just gonna ram everything into their face and shield breaker allowed them to do that indeed very very efficiently and i can definitely see that like be be being a problem for the future like right now there was still mildly manageable like they they, they ran out of qu cards relatively quickly like if you were still just capable of uh, putting up more guards like they still only have three shield breakers in total but like if he gets all three yeah like you got three different guards but they're still gonna get destroyed so you know okay kind of uh, like high roll prone because like the, the the plus two also giving them like the inability to get traded for uh, most of the time most of the time and so it's okay it, it's kind of crappy for for those aggro decks but i don't think it's entirely unplayable for aggro but it definitely slows them down and that's fair it's yeah. playable uh, just shortly uh, it, it, it's playable in non-red aggro decks the issue in red aggro decks is that Red aggro has the best turn three in the game. Like they have, you you want to play like fifteen turn threes of red, of mono red aggro already, so it's just hard to fit it there. But in non mono red aggro, it's still playable. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like you, you don't, don't want to put it on a charge creature. You want to put it on a a creature that's already there that has pretty decent mana efficient stats, and then just go ahead and use that to roll on further. Yes. Yeah, I concur with those statements. Now, another interesting card is Imprison and Detain. For people wondering why Detain was nerfed, it's because it, just to keep it, um, you know, consistent. So it is the upper oh, just like Expert Outromancer. Exactly. <laughs> Poor Expert Thatcher, who's really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Please buff Expert Axemaster Kappa, but alright. Uh, Imprison nerf <laughs> was. Uh, it was pretty interesting to me. Um. I wonder, like, I don't know, I feel like this nerf was too fast to ha happen. I think maybe it needed to happen, because it's very powerful for tokens that have such efficient removal now that they're everywhere. But I think tokens just coming to rise recently, right? I kind of felt like I wanted to see, before this nerf happened, I wanted to see if it maintained, right? Because remember, first HOS happens, Scout rises, and then the blue curve decks come, and then to counteract that, the token decks came because they were pretty efficient against both, you know, and it was cool to see the meta evolve like that without really needing a balance patch too much. But we did have one earlier, I believe, I can't remember what was that was. Oh, that was the that was Commander and all that jazz. Poor Echo, gutted for no reason, but anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I just knew it probably needed to happen. I would have liked to see it maybe wait just to see. So now we'll toss this for Matt for his opinion. Uh... I'm all right with this. Like it's 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 not going to hurt them very much in the matchup they were currently good in. Like versus ramp doesn't really matter. Versus goblins a little. Like uh, definitely hurt goblins, but goblins. If you want to win with goblins, you have to trade everything. So it's already pretty hard to do uh, to get the actual imprisoned in. But like I I don't think it is that large of a deal like if you don't get any of the actual uh summon multiple yellow creature cards you, you might be in a little bit of trouble if you want to use Versailles defender and that is fair like you can still use an cloudless illusionist to try to get to a hive defender so like it's a little bit more expensive they can 
push a little less, give a little, like a teeny tiny little bit of room for for that control player or that mid range player to the to get themselves back in there by by just denying them an extra one mana card. But overall, I think it's fine. All right, and Roman, your thoughts? Okay, so uh, I'm going to talk as someone who has kind of championed token decks on ladder, especially Crusader and in tournaments in the past month with uh, reasonable success, even though I didn't win anything and I got 3 0 a lot. <laughs> and uh, I think that it's important to realize why Elder Scrolls Legends is a better game than Hearthstone. And this is linked to what we're talking about, I promise. Uh, so, uh, the dangerous things about card games uh, is that you're always going to have RNG, right? You have draw RNG, which I know you, you have you have draw RNG that should be the biggest RNG, usually. And it is in this game. You have to be scared of binary RNG. For example, binary RNG uh, is an RNG event, or random events, in which the difference of outcome between a positive and a negative role is so great that it warps the result of the game more than the decisions of the player. For example, um, if you have a card that says, well, it's a 50-50, if you hit, you get a 4-4, and if you miss, you get a 1-1 for 3 mana. Well, that card would be very toxic, because if you if someone plays it and they get the 4-4 every time, well, suddenly they're oppressively good. And if they, they miss it, well, the card is unplayable. And this card would, could be more reasonable if it was a, a 2-4 or a 4-2 for Germana instead of that very far uh, difference. Like, a good example card of this is Implosion in Hearthstone. Implosion was a card that for 4 mana dealt a random number between 2 and 4 damage to a minion and summoned that many 1-1 tokens. So the difference between dealing four and summoning four tokens and uh, dealing two and summoning two tokens is so insane that the result of the roll de defines the rest of the game. And the issue with Imprison is that Imprison is a half a random halfway, uh, random depending on how is your the rest of your draw, between the worst card in the game and the best card in the game. Depending on what the other cards you draw are, Imprison is either the most dead card, the most dead card you would put in your deck. Like it's worse than it's a two mana uh, equivalent of Paralyze, the zero mana drain card, or it's a two mana uh, Javelin, which is really really powerful. And the issue was that this card was oppressive in a way because basically, if you were, you can't play around it because you can't play around reinforcements in prison. Like, there's no way you play around that, because then you play around ghosts all the time. So you have to play into it, and you get wrecked by it. And it feels really bad to lose to a card you can't play around, because it it's too binary like this. And this is why I like to see this nerf. They're trying to... Uh, the best way to address a card that's too binary is to nerf its power level a bit, which is what they're doing here. The card is still playable, it's just a bit nerfed so that it's not an auto-include. If it's not an auto-include, then people have to make a meaningful decision to include it. So the binary RNG card, it's not a real RNG, right? It depends on your other draws. So it's still somewhat healthy, but at least the binary RNG card, you have to think about if you want to run the risk of including it or not, which you didn't have to for one mana. For one mana, if you have a bunch of tokens, you always put it in because 
even in the worst, it's one mana shackle. It's only one mana away from being a playable card and constructed, even in the worst case. So that's why I like this nerf. It just makes the card more uh, decision-heavy than it was before. Yeah, that's fair. All right, fair points. A fine point. Okay, well, geez, okay. That was a very insightful actually looking for the card of imprison. I like this concept of binary RNG. Either the best card or worst card. Yeah, either extremely efficient removal or just a really bad paralyzed. Huh. Okay. So I kind of swing that. I can agree with this. And wait, did we we start with Matter Roman this time? <laughs> I forget. I'm sorry. I'm assuming I started with Matt, right? I swung it to you first. Alright, so... Do you have a thoughts on Imprison, Matt? Or do we get to that already? Sorry, I gotta... Uh, yeah, we are already... Right, I went cool. Uh, cool. on Imprison already. Splendid. Alright. And I apologize for that slight echo. You're probably gonna hear there, folks. But there's a card I'm really glad we got in there. Thief of Dreams. Super happy. I mean, I think it got over-nerfed, personally. I think just taking the one stat from HP would've been fine. But, jeez... Turning into a 4-4, I don't know how I feel about that one, I mean, it's a very powerful card, you get to, even if you guess wrong, you now know, uh, it's like reveal, it becomes a 5-mana 5-5, reveal a card in an opponent's hand, you get to write, not only you get that information, but you also get a copy of said card. Um, man, maybe because it's a blue card, blue already has some sweet, sweet, sweet stuff to begin with. I think uh, I think Thief didn't need to be blue. Well, I guess it had to with this kind of effect, right? But I'm kind of glad it got nerfed, but I don't know if it needed to be nerfed as heavy. But I'm very glad it got hit. So, yeah. I will swing this to a Romanesco and just give his thoughts. Okay, so uh, as I said earlier a couple times, uh, I think that the important part of a game with the color system is that meaningful, uh, no, not meaningful, deck building must remain meaningful. And so cards that are to include uh, have to be double-checked so that they're included for different reasons, right? Otherwise, everyone ha plays the same deck after a while. And for the same reason, the Astro nerf, I think, was necessitated, even if it's not by pure power level, just uh, in order to keep things... Not fresh, but dynamic. Um, I think that Thief of Dreams was there to include in any mid-range blue deck because it it was already it it still is the only playable blue five drop. Literally the only one. Name name one blue five drop except Thief of Dreams. Uh there's that two three that draws a card for every opponent uh, card your opponent drew. <laughs> yeah, th that's my point, and this is why. If it's going to be, it is still, it still is the best, the only playable. It's still playable, right? It's not great. It's still playable. It's a four four that gives you a card sometimes and gives information all the time. And so the fact that even after getting what Jim called over nerfed, still the best blue five drop means that there was a big problem with it being going to include. You don't have a five five for five plus that good of an upside available for the best mid-range decks in the game. That's just silly. And I think that the nerf was justified. I like it being a 4-4 because in this game, 
they have been very consistent with making card draw be very expensive because it keeps the rune system meaningful. When I play when I play as control against a, a mid-range deck, I don't want him to play a 5-5 five, five and 2 for 2 for 1 me every time with a high tempo card that he would play happily. Like you're happy to find a 5-5 five, five and 5 even in your deck suddenly even if he misses the effect. I, I think I think it's just too much in one card, simply. And it didn't go well with the other cards they released uh, that had dry effect. Like, for example, compared to the pickpockets, like the 2-2 the uh, for 3 and the 2-2 two, two for 4 available to Mage, the fact that Control Mage would choose to play Thief of Dreams, which is supposed to be a super mid-range card, just means that it was too good. It should be included in different decks for different reasons. And I think they're enforcing this, and I'm happy to see it. Superb points, superb points. Regarding blue five drops, Landro Hexmage says, I'm kind of okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I was actually looking at the five, the five drops. Wow, they are booty. Jeez. Yeah, they're kind of sad. <laughs> blue five drops. Uh, Call of the Winter is okay, but that doesn't give you a body. Yeah, so I'm actually glad this is a 4 4. Yeah, after this card. Um, let's see. Uh, so, Matt, your thoughts? Well, like, I, I totally agree. Like, it was severely overstated. Like, Hexmage has his own cool combo stuff, but Thief of Dreams, just play a 5-5. Five, five. Nah, I'm fine with playing a 5-5-5-5. Five, 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 five. And then also draw a card. Oh, and give him information about my opponent. Oh, and wait, that card is also probably more expensive than what I just played myself, because my opponent hasn't played it yet. Well, then, I guess I just locked out. <laughs> like, there's just so many good things about that. Like... Being a 4-4, sure, it doesn't trade the Thorn His Mage anymore. You just drew a card or gained information as well. Like, you're, you're still getting more stuff actively. Like, if you play this against the Thorn His Mage and you get a Sheer Point Dragon out of it, you still kill the Thorn His Mage. So, yeah. Like, it, it, it was a really good card. And now it's, it's, it's still really good. It's just not like necessarily ridiculously strong versus literally everything in mid-range exactly the information portion really gets you because they know a card to man. Is and the crazy good. thing is stealing like a manta core or something or even like uh arthanax or whatever i've had these all stolen for me <laughs> and so it's like oh i had to deal with your five five on curve and then later on in the game that resonating effect of having to deal with Parthenax or Oda or the Manticora from a blue deck, nonetheless. That's not Mage, even. Was this like. Feels a bad man. And he knew I had the part. And the scary thing is, he can all play around yeah. the cards. And that's. I mean, the because they know you have it in your hand currently, and they just took it from you. Like, oh, hey, he has a Manticora in his hand. He did not know which card I was allowed to pick. And guess what? I also got the Manticora. So I took his Manticora. He Manticoras me. I Manticora him. Oh! And yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those wondering why I keep opening the screen collector software, so for some reason, OBS is using my mic is picking up on Discord. For some reason, it's like so it causes an echo. It's causing an echo effect. Weird. Yeah, I don't know why in the hell my mic is picking up on the Discord sounds. Um, it might have to do with my headphones potentially. I have, I'm using maybe they're a bit damaged and they're leaking. But I actually have no idea what that's. Yeah, my. If I hit speaker really quick. Uh, me? No, but no, no one, one wants, wants that. that. It's yeah, gonna last so... half an hour. <laughs> All right, stop, 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 stop. Too much. It's echoing. 
like crazy. Yeah, like, <laughs> sorry, I just wanted you to say like one word only. But, <laughs> yeah, so it's like picking up on all this, which is just weird to me. And I don't know, we could potentially. Oh, which one are you using? Advanced, real tech. Yeah, that's my microphone. No, that's what. I, yeah, that's just the way it is. All right, so we're just gonna keep on trekking on with these patch notes. Looking to this, oh, we're we're down to the buffs now. We we'll do those all at once. Um, I'm going to let's see, Brynhalf. That's pretty awesome that they. I'm really. I'm always glad to see buffs. It's like adding cards to the card pool without actually adding cards to the card pool. I'm seeing people test out Brynhalf. 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 It's a J would be Jaeger. It'd be a Y sound, so bring Yolf. Alright, and then Cliffside Lookouts. Um, okay. And the Young Dragon Board, I don't think people are going to start playing this card still. I mean, it's a start though, maybe. So I will toss this one off to, I think it's Matt now. Yeah, so bring Yolf. Being a four, like, having that fifth HP is definitely very meaningful. Um, I'm not entirely sure how, like, how much it's gonna get added, but it's definitely an addable thing. Like, there, there's plenty of four force to trade for. Like, gaining health that's also really good. Gaining the extra mana could be very interesting. I'm not too sure about like having a reliable actual like trying to play around with the extra mana gain because it's a unique card and all, so you can't really, like, have faith in that. But just having a 4-5 drain card for 5, like, it's just a slightly cheaper uh, Night Shadow that doesn't give you your opponent a card when you hit him in the face. So, hey, that's something. Uh, Cliffside Lookout, like, as a 2-5, I, I encountered one, and I just... How do I trade for that thing? And, like, the, the only good part about the fact that, like, it, it's not going to be, like, a massive thing, probably, is because you can't really just say, you know what, fine. We'll play a monk, we'll play the, the guard dragon, and the, and the move dragon, and, like, all the dragons, and just... He's gonna be big! Because you then still need to tra draw them, which honestly uh, uh, just just seems to be impossible when I tried off stream, and they're like especially the the yellow four and five manas aren't all that special, so like they're really just there for energy. So sure, if you can put turn it into a three six on turn four, that's pretty silly. But overall, uh, I, I think, like, he's just super solid. That is still kind of hard to play because of the shell you have to put it in. And the same, ga uh, same goes for Young Dragonborn. Like, you still need to draw those shouts. Like, I had somebody actually play Young Dragonborn, and the next turn, triple drain vitality, my board. And it, would st it still sucked. <laughs> but that was also uh, then it was a three two. But I don't. I think I just leveled it with, with an artist gambit. Like, like it's it's still vulnerable to everything else. And if you do actually manage to find the, a dragon for it to kill, most likely the prophecy dragon from blue, and then sure, get yourself an extra shout. 
but that's not like getting you can only really play with a plus one plus one and since there's only six of those shouts in your deck yeah like it's generally going to be a three mana three three and if you're lucky a three mana four four so that might be able to stay alive after trading that's a fair point all right roman that's your thoughts Okay, so first, uh, the Brynjolf buff is insane. Uh, I play a lot of control decks. I play a lot of Undying Dragon. I have one myself, I call him Bob. And uh, this dragon saves my ass basically every game. And I think it's really powerful, and I, I play three of it. And I think that Brynjolf is a strictly better version of it, because even if it weren't one mana less... Uh, it doesn't break your own on you go face with it, which is a really big deal. And uh, on top of it, the mana effect is really powerful. Like, not the other guys, but just itself. It gives you an extra mana when it hits. And that's, that means that you play it turn... You, you ring it up turn four, you attack face with it, and then you play it turn six this turn without using the ring. And that's really good. So it's a... It's a one mana cheaper Undying Dragon that heals for one less but doesn't break root, but doesn't break runes, and ramps you up every time it attacks, and it survives against everything that doesn't have javelins in the deck. I think this card is should be played in every green deck that's not aggressive, like and by aggressive I mean face, like you don't play it in goblins but in everything else basically. I can agree. Um, as for the the lookout. I think the card itself is really good, but it suffers from the Mechanical Ally uh, issue, which is Mechanical Ally is a super good card. It shows that you have to play bad cards to run it. And yeah. um, Monk just doesn't have good dragons, except Sheerpoint and Undying, which are all turn six. So your turn three guy is kind of sad because if you play him, you have to play all the four drop dragons, which are not very good. Like they're the worst card in the deck. You can play them, and it's going to be decent. But, I mean, in the future, it might be really good. As of right now, it's it's probably okay. Like, you play it in Monk Dragon, but I don't think it's enough to make Monk Dragon a good deck. Finally, Young Dragonborn, well, it's better in Arena now, so that's something. That's something. That's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> now, I also don't really see that many more dragons being released because skyrim was the one with all the dragons and like they were resurrected during skyrim and then they got put to rest during skyrim so like yeah we'll have to see what they do with that yeah yeah i was actually yeah i was kind of hoping the next few monthlies would be dragons to keep the theme up like i was kind of hoping for some dual class dragons that would be kind of cool but maybe that might be too much synergy for the dragon decks because God forbid Scout gets another card out of stuff. Alright, let's see. I think that is all the... That is the buffs. So I guess uh, the... The, uh... We get to the, um... Uh, damn. Controversial point we're going to is vodcasting and current state of Twitch. So right now, you can all see my screen. It's not too bad, right? I mean, we had some vodcast here and there. But we can see Gym Class Hero is, in fact, number one. Um, <laughs> but I think you know this is what's interesting. I was talking to some other players. There was there are nights though, and definitely happens more at night, right? Because like, it's more people are sleeping or well, nights, I should say, in uh, Eastern Standard Time, America's this times where um, 
You know, there is this uh, a few streamers in like 20 podcasts, and it's a bit odd. I mean, our numbers are nice. If I look at the game right now, we are at 3.9k viewers. That's pretty good. We're beating out the card games. Actually, I have all the main card games. I guess I don't really follow. I don't follow Hearthstone, and Shardbound's not really relevant. But we Twitch-wise, we are beating Gwent and Shadowverse and Eternal. Actual numbers-wise, I do believe Gwent is a little higher, to be honest. But that's a different story. Maybe we can get into that a little bit later. But to hop into the vodka statement... There was a post by Furo, I believe, who brought up a good point that long-term effects of these vodcasts. What does that show? I mean, the numbers seem to be growing, right? So it doesn't seem like is that scary, and it does put us near like the top of the front page on Twitch. Like if I were to hop onto Twitch right now, look at the top games. Let's see. Let's see. Not like even... Oh god, don't play that. Just stop. Alright. I hate autoplay things, by the way, on the side now. Alright, so we're totally... <laughs> <laughs> I hate when videos just autoplay. That really upsets me. I'm like, why? So we're up there. Like, you can see us. I mean, if we scroll down a bit... Oh. Jeez, never mind. <laughs> well, I lied to all of you. I just saw us, but then we got removed, it seems. Okay, Elder Scrolls Legends. We're, you know, we're up there. We're... Yeah, next to, next to, to Black, Black Desert. Desert. Yeah, we're near Black Desert. We're beating Dead by Daylight. You know, we're beating Destiny. StarCraft just had its huge um, remaster, so I believe they're all under the normal StarCraft. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of surprised that by Daylight still has that many viewers. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, it's pretty insane to see. Like, I'm looking at this. We're beating out Smite if anyone cares. Dark Souls. Like, we're beating the popular games. But are these numbers artificial? And oh. are, like, and do they matter? You know, like in the long run, is it going to be really great for us to have all these, you know, all these kind of people just watching for the, you know, for the drops? I mean, personally, it's nice to, you know, I'm seeing people get partnered more rapidly, which is awesome. You know, I know uh, that's good for the streamer wise, and I think Bethesda being able to have these numbers can kind of show, look, people are watching us. Right, like we have numbers, and I think you know, I think a healthy, I think it's, I do think the vodcast can be off putting though. Like, I don't want to like dig through Reddit to find Fugo's post or really, uh, maybe, let me, no, that's fine. Yeah, I don't want to dig through that, but he had just some good points though about is it sustainable in the long run? You know, like it is going to be a problem. But I talked enough. Let me send this over to. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen now, so I can like tab on, tab back in. If I bring it, if I find the post, I'll share screens again. But let me shoot this over to Matt. You seem to be interested in this topic. Well, like, have you guys ever heard of playlists? Have you? Uh, what do you mean playlist? Like, like you can like, like the podcasts are playlists. There, there is a system on Twitch called playlists. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. 
Playlists are something that are older than vodcasts and are literally vodcasts, except for the fact that they show up in a directory. And then, like a year later, they suddenly introduced vodcasts. And at the time, everybody was like, why are they these playlists showing up in the live directories? And everybody was like, what? Oh, I already said why. But anyway, like... Everybody agreed that if everybody were suddenly to use that, that would mean that you would never see a, a, a new streamer again. You would only see somebody whoever is already popular currently using the vodcast to get himself to, to that one uh, like entire directory. So people have mostly refrained from using it. There are a few uh, channels that sometimes use it, like uh, when they have their day off, they'll they'll have their normal stream time of podcast or like uh, maybe like dance gaming during their during his horror month or something. But in general, they don't get used a whole lot because it just feels anti Twitch. You don't interact with your your audience. Your Audience is not like confused. Like, wasn't this an interactive platform? So it all becomes kind of weird. And in Elder Scrolls Legends, it became act like just so large. There were so many vodcasts that if a new, a new uh, somebody who didn't know about the game or somebody who was new to Twitch didn't really know about that, especially the people who are new to Twitch. Like, what is this vodcast? Like, is, I, I've heard of Twitch before, and, like, you can talk to people and such, and then I come here, and where is everybody? Like, I'm trying to ask a question, but who am I supposed to ask it to if apparently I'm being entirely ignored? And that goes against everything I feel Twitch is for. So, I, I like I I stand with basically all of Twitch to say don't have them in the live directories. I don't care whether or not they get drops or anything. Just don't let you know, let people specifically look for vodcasts. Go to the actual channels if you know already who you're looking for, and otherwise let people just use Twitch because we like talking to each other and. Well, sure, there's always lurkers, but that is that is that is just a way of Twitch. Excellent points. Um, personally, I like talking to myself more than all of you, Kappa, now, but um, I found the post, actually, I have it up for everyone. Uh, you know, here's the image, the phone was visible, that, yeah, so as you can see, uh, early on, you have, you know, I believe Furrow streams much earlier than I do in the morning, because he's on... It may be evening for him, actually, because he's in Germany. I don't know. Times are so crazy. But needless to say, it's around the time Matt streams, right? So here's Matt in the number one spot. Two and three are vodcast. No, two, three, four are vodcast. Then you get a normal person in the uh, five spot. And then six, seven, eight are vodcast. <laughs> and then the nine and ten spots are humans again. I think this just kind of... Like you said, you want to interact with someone. You want to talk as a question if you're a newer player. You know, and it's kind of, um, you know, <laughs> it does hurt streamers, I think. If you're a newer streamer, like, vodcast can run 24-7, so if you're a newer streamer, 
and you try to get some viewerships, they're already kind of sitting there watching their cast, kind of relaxing, or they're just farming drops anyway. Um, let's see, stealing viewers, that is the, the main trend. I'd say, I'm going to read this one paragraph. Mm. Furo says, this is a multiplayer problem. First of all, the trend continues. The majority of all streams for Tesla will be vodcasts. That is then stealing viewers from people who are really doing some live streaming, discouraging new streamers who will have a hard time to compete against the 24-7 vodcast, giving a bad overall picture of the game for anyone who is joining the Twitch section. If you are not familiar with Twitch, you might have to check out other games and you will see that running a vodcast is really used. Normally the competition is too high to have success just by running videos in comparison to a live engaging stream. So no one really goes for it, but apparently with drops, people are embracing every chance to increase their chances, chances, which will most likely be also be the reason why there will be a strong opposition to this post. Right now, there is a stream live podcast instant. All right, we'll just go there. Uh, Link had a good post, but I did kind of keep talking, and I do want to give Romanus the chance to give his thoughts. Go. Okay, so Matt made multiple great points. Like, I will not go over what Matt said because I agree with literally everything he said. Uh, I will make uh, a parallel point uh, about another dimension of, of this issue, and this is uh, the drops. Like, the problem that vodcasts are described as live, like listed as live on Twitch, is a is a Twitch wide problem that only really appears in communities in which there is an upside in watching a vodcast over a normal stream. Which, in TSL, there is a perceived uh, a perceived uh, upside of watching a vodcast over a stream, is that the vodcast tells you in the title that you're going to have drops for uh, basically 24 hours. And the stream, well, streams streamers host other streamers, right? So you still get drops. It's just that it's not as obvious for the player who has, like, eight seconds to decide on which stream to watch. He just clicks on the vodcast and goes to work. And I think that the problem with this is, and I, I got into a lot of trouble on Reddit for defending this, is that Bethesda, uh, well, or Direwolf or whatever, like Bethesda had the idea of drops because drops uh, simulates viewership, but it's not purely artificial. People come and uh, try out the game and look at the free stuff and see the video and like they they are kind of in, incentivized to uh, consume some of the content produced by great content creators around the game and so it stimulates the creation of content and any online community thrives around content creation and you can see this for Hearthstone for example Hearthstone has extremely good content of literally every kind and the game is thriving not because of this, but it's a part of any thriving game. And I think that the drops have the upside of helping content creators. The issue is when you give vodcasts uh, opportunity to give drops and be listed as live, this means that, uh, well, for someone who just wants to get views and eventually uh, add revenue, it makes a lot more sense to run a 24-hour vodcast than to stream and so it makes there's an incentive to not create content over create content because it's more rewarding 
And even though streaming is rewarding for other reasons, right? Streaming, people stream because they enjoy streaming because it's really fun. And But they don't stream because it maximizes their revenue. So while Bethesda has the opportunity to make the drop system a way to stimulate content creation, it, for example, people like Link or I or uh, a bunch of other streamers basically came back to the game at the moment where the drops were available. And the drops helped getting a lot of those streamers, well, partnered once, but also just let them get more revenue and justify spending more time developing their stream. And this is kind of a circle, right? The more your stream is successful, successful, the more time you have to stream and the better it is. And then the more successful it becomes. And if, if every stream uh, enters that circle, then the game as a whole becomes more successful. And that's something that's proven. But my point is that in short, the giving vodcasts both drops and being listed in live is bad on the long term because Bethesda is missing an opportunity of using the drops as an incentive for building the community. And I think that that in itself should be enough for them to realize that vodcast should not give drops if they are to stay listed under live things, because that's a Twitch white thing, which might be more complicated to, ch to change. Right, that is a superb point, I think, all around. I mean, I do think, I mean, at the end of the day, I think actually looking at this post, people touch upon the fact that, um, I mean, the drops benefit Bethesda as well. So uh, enabling drops for vodcasts, which are constantly running, doesn't really hurt them. But at the same time, Bethesda has shown interest in helping content creators with the uh, their weekly stream having... Uh, you know, console they had bring they had a few content creators already. They had Justin, C Rage, and I believe Charmer on there uh, as their creators. So the show that as well doing car reveals, which helps. You know, so maybe if you know those discuss these discussions happen, we can see that in the long term being changed. Oh, also I'd like to thank Snacksy Man for the uh, post there that went through while we were talking. Get a chance, but that was awesome. That's awesome. But I think, yeah, I think this, the, the saturation, it's not, I mean, hard to say, right? Because as you can see, wow. the Twitch streams are still growing. And yeah, we are seven away from 5k people, thank you. But, uh, like, we're growing, right? Other shows is continuing growing Twitch-wise. So our play, it's hard, it's really hard to say, um, you know, if we have, you know, the best player base, if the high, the, the biggest player base, the largest player base. Because this show, Gwent, I believe, is a tad bit larger. But, Matt, you seem like you were going to say something. I cut you off. Please? Uh, well, yeah, like, I had actually another argument as to why actual active streams are, are better over VODs. Because that's actually also part of Bethesda's strategy. Like, not only do they bump up uh, Elder Scrolls Legends in the, in the list so people see it more, but like as I said, the interactivity earlier. But if you have the, that interactivity, somebody says something in chat, and there's a bunch of people saying hi back. There's also a whole lot of more of a sense of community, and if you have people to talk to, you're more inclined to keep playing because you're playing with them. You can discuss why or not why to do something and why to not do something, and especially doing that on something in a live platform and being able to to like just chat with other people like even if if it's a, a chat completely unrelated to the streamer itself 
like that it happens all the time where where I'm just like continuing to play the game and somebody asks something and I answer them and somebody else answers them and that then somebody else goes further through with that answer and it it, it if you have a community like that and then it gives them a better reason to also stick in the game it gives you more player retention but yeah that's that's actually something I wanted to add. <laughs> I find that to be an excellent point. Yeah, that kind of, like interactivity is wonderful and it's good. It makes us look good, you know. You can go into just about any stream and talk to the streamer, and you can have a discussion. And it's nice because you know, <laughs> I love the Elder Scrolls Legends. It's really like a tight knit group. I'm not sure. I will say I'm not sure how the other card games is. I think maybe Eternals like this as well. But like, I'll constantly see like more than one streamer in every chat. You know, like. I'll hop to, you know, I can be in, in my stream right now, you can see, you know, several streamers are, and high-level players, not just streamers, but, like, high-level players, you got the Nerazari, Bradford's here, you know, uh, I mean, I'm looking through it, Levio, so you have, like, a lot of people just, and, you know, when you ask a question, you get, like, four or five answers, They're either you get a consensus, or you get a discussion, you know, you get a group of people saying, yeah, this is what you should play as your one job, or you get a group of people... Uh, saying, well, you know, you get different opinions. I remember one time I was in the Ladder Alice stream. It was like me, Link, Ladder Alice, and a couple other players. We we're discussing what's the best four drop slot in Sorcerer. And there was a, we had like three different groups on the setting, you know, what you should be playing there. And that's nice because, and then a new player can see that and get a lot of opinions and thought process and also kind of get engaged more, more engaging, makes it more fun and interactive. I hate to say that meme, but. It truly is fun and interactive on that front, and I think that just makes the experience more richer. There's a more rich experience of gaming, and that's what Twitch is about, showing games, but also interacting with a more than just a streamer, but a community. Now, one interesting argument I'm seeing against people, people are saying this argument, I think it should be addressed, that people are saying, are defending broadcast by saying that if you cannot compete with a video, you should just improve your contents. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's a pretty big insult. Right? <laughs> that's a pretty big insult. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is the part where you have to remember this is Reddit. So oh, I have to also add one thing to that. That guy's account was one day old uh, during when he made those comments. So, take it as you will. Alright, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, that's the, I just thought that was kind of funny. Then. Uh, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the argument we're getting. We're getting... Like, and I want to adjust that, because I think, you know what, if someone, that's the defending point, we should be able to counteract that. And, you know, like... You, you have so many variety of streams. You have, like, you know... Link and Ronas who give in-depth commentary, and then you have people like me and Matt who play kind of meme fun decks. Like, what kind of content are you know? I often wonder. Like, I'd like to improve my content. Hey, I like updated my setup a bit. I mean, sure, my mic's still like I'm on a yellow submarine, but trust yep, me, I used, to, I used to use my laptop mic. For those who remember my old old streams, and trust me, <laughs> this is a yeah. No, yeah, those were true terror. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was god awful. So we're, you know, we're, we're totally proving. Hey, I put out a podcast that's been maintained weekly, actually, which is 
You know, I we all mix it up with content. Everyone plays, you know, you'll see even high-level players like Bradford or Torquoise or Romanesque. You'll see VH. You'll see them play some fun decks. You know, heck, I've done coaching sessions. I know Romanesque has done coaching. We've mixed up the content, you know, and it's like <laughs> up your content is such a, is it a straw man or just like, just an all-around, I think, unfair point. Because the vodcasts run 24-7, and they always put drops activated in their titles, right? So they kind of farm the viewers who are looking for drops. And a lot, and there is still confusion even now that people... I'll see people asking various streams, even mine, uh, do, is this, are drops activated here? And just a heads up, they're activated in every stream, Elder Scrolls Legends stream, so long as you have, um, you know... Link and you need to link your account, and that person's stream needs to be active under Elder Scrolls Legends, aka how you found it, and then you will get them. It's RNG, but you'll get them. <laughs> it's all, you just gotta trust in the heart of the RNG, and you will be rewarded. I know you could use a pot of greed, but I don't think that works on Twist Drops. So, let's, uh, so you, you heard my thoughts on the counterpoint, I think, man. So, Romanus, you're kind of quiet. You, your thoughts on the point that we should just up our content, improve our streams? Well, actually, I, I attempted to discuss with that person for over 12 messages, and he was insulting me through the messages. And, but he was still trying to make points about it, which I will uh, resume, summarize here. Basically, he was saying that the issue is that I am not including drops in my title which is why i don't get the drop farmers in my channel because they don't know my channel has drops and there's also the issue with that i am i am not streaming all the time so sometimes when i'm not streaming they will do that on drops and he told me that i should be streaming instead of commenting on reddit to complain about other people having better content than me so well the, the thing I, I i like about those people is that it's so easy to have a constructive discussion and address the real issues together to make things better. Like, the, you have to be careful to not give too much voice to a very, very vocal small minority. I definitely agree with that point. I mean, yeah, I mean, you get these. I just thought that was an interesting counterpoint. I've heard it, I've heard this echoing though, see? I've been in other streams, and even in my own stream, we've talked about, you know, what are podcasts, what's going on with those, are they healthy, are they not? And I've seen some, and I've seen people very strongly, you know, almost to the point of attacking, saying, um, just improve your podcast. Uh, <laughs> I mean, your podcast, oh, Jesus, your stream, and it's like, you know, we do try to put as the most meaningful content that we can. Um. But, I mean, I don't think that's a fair point, you know? Especially, you know, when a podcast is 24-7, it'll suck up viewers, and they'll be in there. Not all of them are AFK, as far as some are, are interacting. I don't want to attack anybody, any of the podcasters. I think it's fine. It's, just, it's something you can use. It's a tool, and I think it should be used. And you're not breaking any rules. It is just a, uh, you know, it's a tool that was provided to optimize potential stream time and you know it synergizes with the the um what do you call it the twitch drops and broadcasts do synergize perfectly you know it's a uh, two combo piece you know <laughs> you know we all like combo decks and so i think that just uh 
you know, I guess my closing thoughts were are it's definitely we're seeing a, a viewership increase, but will this potentially, you know, will this eventually prevent new content creators from coming in, or and will it, you know, cause current content creators to potentially drop out? You know, like you know, as there's people who are like tinkering as who are trying to grow their streams out and are like getting there and they're getting some recognition, but you know, they feel like they're losing out to the broadcasters a bit and they're trying to build up. And I know I got really lucky. I started in the time, you know, where the game was young and I was able to kind of hop in and get some love there. Um, but only time will tell. Right now, I th we're seeing the viewership increase, um, but I think we are seeing uh, people discouraged. So yeah, uh, like like actual attempting the stream. It's it's hard enough to go up in in a in a directory that has a lot of more popular streamers. Like in Elder Scrolls Legends' case, uh, like aside from uh, like like that one podcast that's always up there, and then the the top streamer that's currently there. It's there's not that many, but because there's so many vodcasts and those vodcasts that are there are there always. So you have to like you start as a new streamer at zero, and there's twenty people that are guaranteed to be above you no matter what time of day. So you can't try to dodge them to see if there's like a point of day where you can. Uh, like fill in the gap where there there's nobody online or less people online at, at the very least because they are just always there like that is like one of the few strategies you can do as a streamer be there when the amount of people watching arguably is also low but the amount of people streaming is even lower and if there's a shit ton of vodcast there you can you can attempt to do so so when you're then hoping for that first viewer to say hello, you're already maybe a weekend. And I, I already had, like, when I first started, and I, I, like, I got up to, like, 20 viewers for after like, a couple of weeks, and I stayed at that for months. But I quite often had just, because of that, my this, the time of day that I streamed was, like, uh, like, during exactly when everybody was at work or at school, so nobody chatted. And I, like, at one point I just said, is my chat broken? And then a, a few people said, hi. And someone, oh, oh, there, I'm, I, oh, my voice is good. Okay, if you say so. So I just kept doing my thing. But like, like actually having somebody to talk to is just so encouraging. It's, it's quite incomprehensible if you ne never, act, like, if you've never streamed yourself. And that is also something that is that is definitely going to get you down. And a lot of people that have never done, tried to do so have, like, like will definitely not really understand. Yep, definitely solid closing thoughts. Uh, Romanes, did you have any closing thoughts as well? Uh, closing, closing thoughts for this topic or the or the podcast? Uh, the, the podcast? No, the podcast. Stop it! <laughs> no! Oh God, he's gonna actually put this down twenty four seven. Using our great topics and everything to just. I'm tired. <laughs> you've opened up. Just, 
Like he, he just puts an overlay that's like that says "Drops here, get them." Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Would that be a scumbag move? Like I just stopped. Like all you have to do is like instead of like hosting someone, just start a podcast of the same thing and just put "Drops mm. table podcast world." That's good. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, that uh, oh, that reminds me of an episode of Dropped Frames. Have you guys ever heard of that show? <laughs> Dropped Frames. It's a it's a show hosted by Ezekiel the Third, It Me JP, and Co Carnage. So like three fairly well known amongst like Twitch variety stuff. But uh, well, one time they because vodcasts were just introduced, they were like, okay, we're just gonna do this. Gonna start the show, don't let anybody know. The first 15 minutes of that show were vodcast, and nobody even had nobody could tell because there was nothing, nobody, it, it just didn't show. So everybody was watching a vodcast, and then they came, like, they shut down the stream and came online actually, and they were like, gotcha, and like, fuck. Like, it's just so hard, God. <laughs> All right, but that was awesome. All right, so we um, jeez, yeah, that is a great discussion, great topics. Definitely, um, I guess this is the last part of the stream. This podcast has been going on a little longer. We we got a lot of good thoughts and uh, ideas going on. So I would like to open a little bit up to some questions. So feel free in this next. Probably a shorter portion of questions for this stream as well as we are. Oh, quite, quite, quite a, a bunch of people, people actually ask what we think about the new uh, teasered card, like the, the, the art that they teased. Oh, that vampire. That? Yeah, I have seen that. So either a sorcerer or a purple card. As the trend with vampires, they are all purple. Let me yeah, like, like at first when I didn't zoom in, it kind of looked like a dark elf. But so I was saying a uh, assassin, but yeah, it's definitely a vampire. Like if you zoom in a little, one hundred percent. I I want to go for swordsword then as well, yeah. Because dual colored cards just make more sense right now. Like having a couple of months of dual colored in a row makes are all the sense. Are you sure this is not a red guard having a really bad day? <laughs> no, if you zoom in, like the gray skin, red eyes, a little pointed ear, like it could be a, the fact that the dark elf is like. What it was before a vampire, but if you zoom in on its mouth, you definitely see like some blood underneath. And if you look at its like the the little arch between its eyebrows, that is definitely the face of a of a vampire. Hmm. Yeah, but then it's it's way too predictable. Like, how yeah, do you fair keep enough. Plays for surprise and excitement <laughs> in life. If I expect a red guard, I have better chances of being surprised. It's fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> That's a goblin with a mask. Oh, please be <laughs> But yeah, no, oh, that, that is, is so... so that is definitely a vampire. Somebody also pointed out in my chat that the belt she's wearing is the same as a belt from somebody from the Dawn Guard expansion. And that's all about vampires and werewolves, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Superb point, but let me... Well, so let me... I'm gonna go for only three questions this time. I think that's a fair amount. So let's see. Let's see. Let's see. That's a gumbled mess. Any questions? Uh, Ray Barker, gym class hero. Will this actually change? Will Twitch do anything? 
Well, X, Y, or what has to happen? Well, Twitch won't do a thing about that because broadcasting is something they introduced because, um, you know, they wanted to give content creators ability to cover more ground. Like, it was for, I think it was, the intention was for, like, events. You know, it's like, huge tournament. But, you know, like, at the Monday tournament great is great. Unfortunately, EU folks, it's like midnight, 3 in the morning or so for them. So they would like to, you know, sleep like a normal human being. Um, so, no. so, <laughs> so I think that vodcasts are a great way to say. I did that a couple times actually with my podcast and with my the Monday tournament I cast. Um, I would, I, I think it would be, you know, a great chance for, uh, you know, to show this to like, you know, like, hey, like I can actually show. Like, like I like to vodcast this podcast. For people who couldn't catch it, you know, either in the morning or night. But to, this one's interesting though because it came at a time that's not too bad, right? It's for anyone. You're gonna join them. <laughs> I'm joining the dark side. <laughs> in fact, I just needed fuel for my podcast. All right, but uh, you two thoughts on the question that was asked? All right, <laughs> no thoughts. That's cool. <laughs> we'll just keep on trekking, try to get past as best we can. I know it's late. Um. Okay, mm. Bradford Lee asks, Gym Class Hero, question, long time listener, first time caller. Thanks for having me. If you could be a creature type, which would you be? Red Guard or, or Argonian? Uh, Red Guard or Argonian, what about you, Matt? A Red Argonian? Really? You want a no, lizard man? Red Guard or Argonian, yes. Yeah, exactly. So there's a chance you want to be a lizard man. By the hist. <laughs> Aid me, yeah. Um, I I end up always going for Breton in the games as well because they have some magic. They're still fairly human and all, and you know I, I like being able to do a little bit of everything and just switch around whatever I need to be, aka a stealth archer in Skyrim. But and <laughs> Roman ask your thoughts. Uh, what would you? Well, uh, honestly, like Argonians are more closely related to salmon and they can swim pretty well, so <laughs> I have to go Argonian for this, but. <laughs> honestly, like, also, honestly, I would just rather be a salmon directly, but maybe I have to evolve towards that so I can be patient. <laughs> well, to be honest, being an Argonian or a salmon or whatever would be very useful as being Dutch because, like, our entire country being underwater already, I, I, I it would be very useful to actually breathe them. So, that's yes, true. Sure, fair. That's, that's, true. that's actually fair. If you start vodcasting, you can just die and it's okay. Oh yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like, and my computer will probably stay dry because it's in the second floor. Exactly. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. Um. All right. Let's see. One more question. Then it is from Lead Milf. Can Matt Oblivion whisper for the stream, asking for a friend? <laughs> Or is that Levios? Oh, I think they both asked that, so we're getting two with what I, I probably going. shouldn't. That's not a good idea at all. Don't do it. <laughs> Alright, awesome. <laughs> Alright, folks. Well, I'm like, oh god, they're spamming it now. <laughs> right, I'd like to thank both my guests, Romanesque and Matt. It is a pure pleasure to have you both here. Awesome. Uh, so, well, shout out. Oh, sorry, someone say something? Oh, it's, my, it's my pleasure to be shout-outed. 
Absolutely. Definitely, if you two want to spam me like, your link to your Twitch and Twitter, feel free to do that in the chat. Uh, definitely follow both of these gentlemen. Uh, I believe it's Romanesque. Uh, is just like it'd be Twitch it's, TV slash it's, it's, Rob- it's Romanesque HS, HS that, uh, which stands for Honorable Salmon, and not some Blizzard card game that no one cares about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you could have changed it if you wanted to. No, I can't because there's already a Romanesque. Oh well, then make it Romanesque TSL. No, that's why Twitter is good enough. Uh, no, you're 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 just a heretic. Uh, anyway, for people interested, I, I am streaming right now, actually, but muted. <laughs> really? <laughs> what? <Yes. laughs> like? <laughs> ah, well, that's something you can do. <laughs> well, hey, I can host a live streamer. <laughs> oh God, a lot. Li- uh, those exist. <laughs> what is a live streamer? <laughs> well, no, I can host a parent. Apparently, live streamers are salmon that can talk. Yeah, like, ugh. So, thank you for viewing. Thank you for watching. I will end this with a question of the week. Question of the week is going to be, um, are podcasts healthy? And in the long term, will, you know, are they sustainable? So, quick bit of shout-out. Actually, before... I want to thank Ray Barker for the excellent intro that I'm also going to use as an outro for this one stream. <laughs> um, and I thank my guests and all the guests and all the uh, viewers <laughs> and listeners. All right. And this has been the Pestle Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jim Class Hero, signing out with my new fancy intro or outro for this one, guys. It's going to have always been an intro, though. If I can find the file. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Drain your low, 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 low. Greetings.